Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. A listener note. This podcast contains strong language and disturbing content. One day in 1978, Belinda Mott went to visit a friend at her new rented room. I'm sure they had gates along the front. It was in a run-down part of Gloucester. The landlady was sitting outside. She would be sat on the stair. And I can remember there being a pram and others running around. She said to me, who are you here for? I said, Jill. She looked through and there was their kitchen and he popped his head round and she said she's here for Jill and he went go on then she can go through and that was Fred West yeah Belinda didn't pay much attention to where Jill was living it was just the house where she rented a room it was like painted walls and grotty colours it's just weird how we had it she never suspected the truth about 25 Cromwell Street We'd go up there and we'd have a a laugh and a joke, not knowing at that time that my sister was under the stairs buried. From something else, this is Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes... Episode 7, The Search for Juanita. I'm Howard Soons. I broke stories in the West case as a journalist and wrote the book on the murders, Fred and Rose. Between 1973 and 1987, Fred and Rose West murdered nine women and girls and buried their remains under their house at 25 Cromwell Street. When I received that first tip-off call... In 1994, my initial focus was on the suspected serial killers. The victims were a list of names. Returning to the story 25 years later, I've been trying to find out more about the people who lost their lives. What were their stories? One of the people on that victim list was Juanita Mott. She was the elder sister of Belinda and Mary Ann. Juanita went missing in 1975 when she was 18. There's lots of old ones in the back here as well. That's Juanita, me. In the summer of 2019, I took the train back to Gloucester to meet Juanita's sisters, Belinda and Mary Ann. They're middle-aged women now with families of their own. There's a nine-year age gap between Belinda and Mary Ann, but it's easy to see how close the sisters are. I've got a picture of her modelling. Do you want to see? We sat in Marianne's living room and she brought out the family photograph album. This is a, a photo album that was my mum's. There's a picture of Juanita, myself and Belinda. Snazzy. 
Red wellies. I lived in red wellies. <laughs> the picture of Juanita was instantly familiar to me. Crop tight, it was handed out by the police to the press as the official image of one of the 12 West victims. There's Juanita in a paddle boat. She's got, I believe that's one of our mum's cardigans on. Wow. Long straight hair parted in the middle. Her eyes were brown, but with hazel around. Real pretty eyes. That's how she would stand out. Juanita Mott was born in 1957. Her father was an American serviceman from Texas, stationed in England with the US Air Force. When he was posted back to the USA, he left their unmarried mother, Mary, with three children. You have to remember, the 60s, 70s, bringing up three stroke four girls on your own, it just wasn't the thing to do. It, wasn't, it was frowned yeah. upon. You know, we lived on hand-me-downs. Their mother had a history of severe depression. It meant that Juanita and the other children were in and out of care as they grew up. She had a hard time and it reflected in her mental health. A couple of times we were shipped off to families or care homes just so that she could sort herself out, but she'd always get us back. Always. This difficult upbringing in and out of care seems to have had an effect on Juanita. By the mid-70s, she was coming of age and experimenting with life. She was, I would say, the black sheep of the family. Very rebellious, especially to my mum's husband. She would like to go out and she always seemed to pick the wrong sort of bloke. She was always with somebody that wasn't very nice to her. She used to hitchhike out and about with her friend Irene and they used to go everywhere, everywhere. For fun? Yeah. Yeah. Because it was safe. Well, so we thought. Juanita's rebellious lifestyle became too much for her mother and stepfather. They threw her out. Belinda did what she could for her sister. When Mum and Roger had told her to go... I used to say, come over, come round when Mum's gone to work and I'll leave the bedroom window open so she could climb in on the gate. She used to come in, have something to eat and have a bath, change clothes. Marmite sandwich. Always find somewhere to live. Sofa surf, they call it now. They didn't used to call it that. But she was always staying with somebody. In spring 1975, Juanita was getting by on unemployment benefit and staying with a family friend within the small town of Newant, outside of Gloucester. Her friend was due to get married on Saturday the 12th of April. Juanita had offered to babysit the children during the ceremony, but come the wedding day, Juanita was nowhere to be seen. She'd vanished. She went missing on that Friday. I was called over to babysit on the Saturday morning to look after these kids. Where did you all think Juanita had gone? She left to say she was going to go and sign on in Gloucester. Mm -hmm. And that's the last I've heard of her. 
But that weekend, nobody was so alarmed that they went straight to the police. No, because <clears throat> Mermaid Roger kicked her out before, mm. and she would stay at someone's house like, a couple of nights, then go to the next one a couple of nights and go back. So it wasn't it wasn't anything unusual for her not to come back. It it could be weeks before we seen her. Weeks and months and then years passed without any sign of Juanita. Belinda's friend, Jill Britt, remembers Juanita going missing. I knew sort of vaguely that they had a sister that they could not find. Oh, every year I remember them, Salvation Army, putting a peel out of Christmas. Belinda being the same age as me, I suppose, just mourned for the loss of her sister... So it was very difficult. There was no answers. But Belinda never stopped asking questions. She always said to me, I'm here, wherever you are, whatever you need, I'll be around. Well, I left school, went to work, didn't seem to find her, in 1978, I had my first daughter. She wasn't there for that. And then over the years, I thought, well, if she wanted to, she would have come home by now. There's got to be a reason for her not to come back because she always came through the bedroom window. So Belinda started her search for Juanita. I sat there and I thought, right, I'm going to find a way trying to find her. Belinda began by writing to Juanita's old employers to obtain her national insurance number. Then she wrote to the Department of Health and Social Security in case Juanita was signing on for benefits. And they said, if you want, if she ever signs on, we can forward messages like the paper onto her. But apart from that, no. I also went up to London to the birth, death and marriage place and I bought nine birth certificates that said Mott, thinking if she's not dead or she's not married, she's still got to be alive. And there was nothing. Then Belinda appealed to the media. I tried the Anne Diamond show because it was um, reunited. By the time they got through to mine, they'd finished because they had so many thousands. I tried Bristol Radio. I was on that. The Daily Star, I was in that. Um, Take a break. Take a break. The article in Take a Break magazine created a lead. We had somebody ring up from London and said, I think she's one of my lodgers. He described her to a Juanita looked sort of. So we went all the way up there went to this place and there was this young girl sat there and she looked at and the man said, oh, this is so-and-so. And I said, that's not Juanita. Her name was Anita. I said, she ain't nothing like Juanita. Juanita's eyes would not change. Her hair might, her features might, but not her eyes. And this girl did not have brown eyes with hazel on the outside. So I knew straight away. But there was one path that wasn't being followed. The police were not looking for Juanita. Half of the 12 women and girls murdered by the Wests 
weren't reported to the police as missing. Juanita was one of these six. She was not reported as, as a, what they would call an official missing person to the police. Why, why was that? Because she was 18. She was older than 18. And you could only... Well, I was always told that unless they're under 18, they're not classed as missing because they're not vulnerable, like a teenager. Mm. But a couple of years later, my friend came down to Gloucester Police Station with me and I said, I want to know if my sister's been reported missing. Mm. And they said, how long ago was it you saw her? I said, well, I asked her in 1975 and I can't remember seeing her after that. He said, well, the only thing is... Since it's gone to computer, not everything would have been recorded because it was on paper. They said because she was 18, it wouldn't have been logged and carried on because they didn't have anything to go on, so she could have been anywhere. If the police had been told immediately that Juanita had disappeared, there would have been a police investigation, despite the fact she was over 18. That happened with other West victims who were, in fact, older. It all depended on the circumstances and the reaction of the family. In Juanita's case, she was known to take off on her own sometimes, so there wasn't immediate concern. The end of another day's digging, and for the search teams, a day which has produced another grim discovery. Early in 1994, news of the police search of Cromwell Street began to appear on the television. Police excavating 25 Cromwell Street were finding the remains of many women. Body number seven, lying alongside three other sets of remains found at the weekend. I was at yours and I'd come round to see you and it literally come on the telly and we both looked at each other. We knew, we knew. I don't know how, it's just a feeling, a gut feeling. She's there. When did you hear from the police um, confirmation? Well, that night, when I rang, that night, police came round, took a statement from me and said, OK, we're be in touch. And they came back the next day with Fred's statement. There was different things that he'd said that matched up with mine, like the fact that my dad was Texan and her hair was brown. So Fred was confessing to killing yeah. Juanita. Yeah. And he told them he told them he buried her in the yeah. cellar. Yeah, under the stairs. Coming up, what happened to Juanita? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Juanita Mott was the seventh person whose remains were found buried at Cromwell Street. Looking back to when I reported on this story years ago, I remember how difficult it was to get information about the victims. Even when we had their names, we often knew little about their backgrounds or what links they had, if any, to Cromwell Street. And often the police didn't know much more than we did. In fact, detectives struggled to identify most of the victims. These were not bodies with identifiable faces, but a jumble of broken bones. I had a lot of little, you know, the photo booth. I had a lot of her photographs, what she had, what she took and kept in a little tissue box. I've still got them now. So they had those photographs and they blew them up and they did the reconstruct the model of her cheekbones. And that's how they knew. That's how they identified her. By and her teeth because they said, what, did you ever go to the dentist? I said, yeah. So they went there to get her dental records. Identifying the victims was not easy. The police collected the names of women who'd gone missing during the period Fred and Rose were active, but this list ran into hundreds. To narrow it down, they brought in a forensic dentist. He projected family photos onto reconstructed skulls of the victims to see if the teeth and facial bones matched. How could you take such news? What would it feel like? Well, it was... Harder for me because I was five months pregnant. Um, and I had to be strong because our mum, she just mm. broke down. She just... We took on roles, didn't we? Yeah. Um, I think Belinda was the strongest out of us at the time. So she was the one that dealt with the police and, and got all the information, got everything up together... She was our spokesperson with the police and she'd go and get all the information, bring it back. I stayed with mum because she did, literally, didn't she? She hit the floor and we couldn't get her up. She would, wouldn't eat, wouldn't drink, wouldn't wash, wouldn't dress, wouldn't do anything. She literally sat in a chair, apart from to have a bath, and which yeah. you did, and yeah. go to the toilet. She just sat in a chair in the Smoking, corner. Smoking, drinking coffee and rocking because she refused to believe it. So my job was to make sure she didn't switch on the TV and see anything or read any papers or if somebody phoned, it was me that fielded that. So we sort of put a barrier around our mum. The question still remains, 
What brought Juanita into contact with the Wests? Her upbringing, going in and out of care, her estrangement from her parents, and the fact she had no fixed abode makes it difficult to pin down her movements leading up to her disappearance in 1975. But there's one theory that might explain everything. Juanita may have lodged at 25 Cromwell Street. She was great, this bloke, and I was told that he'd gone into prison and Fred West was in prison. The only thing that we can think of is the fact that he's talked about wanting to not being able to stay in his flat anymore. So he must have said, well, tell her to come down to ours because we've always got rooms. Juanita was looking for a place to stay and her boyfriend had apparently been in the same prison as Fred West. Could she have heard about the house that way? She's knocked on 25 Cromwell Street saying, my boyfriend and your husband are in prison and they've said that you've got rooms. And she's gone in that way. What is clear is that Fred must have known Juanita to some extent. When he later confessed to her murder, he mentioned personal details about her background that he must have got from her, including the fact that her father was from Texas. Now, at the time she disappeared, we know Juanita wasn't staying in Cromwell Street. She was 10 miles from Gloucester, staying with that family friend who was getting married on the Saturday. So how did she come into contact with the Wests on the Friday? She needed to go into Gloucester to sign on for unemployment benefit. Maybe she caught a bus. Maybe she hitched a lift, as she sometimes did, to save money. Do you think that Fred West picked her up on that road? Because it was the road between where he grew up in Much Markle and Gloucester where he lived. Well, I, I'm not sure, actually, because it was in the day and I think it would have been too obvious in picking somebody up. Yeah, I think he did. Because it, it's too much of a coincidence. I think it was, it was a chance thing. I don't think he planned it. I think he must have seen her and thought, oh, and I think they, they, they probably picked her up but I don't think it was a planned one. If if they did pick her up, it wouldn't have been that happened straight away. They would have befriended her to stay there yeah. for her to go into the house and be yeah. gullible enough to go in there. Yeah, but if she'd have been staying there before and have actually stayed there for a little while and then they picked her up on that Friday, they'd know her from her staying there. So if he's coming back and he's thinking, oh, there's that girl that stayed with us. I don't know. We'll probably never know for sure the exact circumstances that led Juanita to Cromwell Street. In the days after her remains were found in 1994, her sisters had another problem. They were under pressure to talk to the press. The first time they knocked on my door, I didn't. I wasn't expecting it. And how they got hold of me so quick, I'll never know. There was a knock at the door. I opened it, and this bloke put his foot inside my door, and he said, "Are you Belinda Mott?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Oh, I'm a reporter from the Daily Star. Is it all right if I come in and do a story?" I said, "No, you can't." I was like, 
I just, do you know what I mean? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I had the the press chasing my daughter on her bike down the street. She was seven, and they were still camping outside. And she just went out to play with her little friends down the street, and they were chasing her, asking her questions. That was scary. On top of that, the family had to learn the truth about what happened to Juanita in Cromwell Street. We got called into... We had to go into the police station. And mum being how she was, they said, you know, said, no, she's... We don't want her to hear that. And they said, she has to come in because she cannot hear this through the, the media. She has to hear it from us. So we, we had to literally get her dressed and up and physically carry her to be told all this gory stuff. Mm. And it was gory to the point where they told us how many bones were missing, fingers and toes and the hole in her head where they think she was decapitated and he just, that was post-mortem, the hole, where he'd hit her over the head trying to get her in the hole. The sort of person she was, she would have fought with everything that she had. And I'm, if there's a scar on Fred or Rose's body, I can guarantee she put it there because she would have fought with everything that she had. It wouldn't have been quick. And that's what, that's the, the gory part of it. That's the thing that sticks. They made that last. And that, she didn't deserve that. None of them deserve that. None of them. And for our mum to have heard that, you don't want to hear that about your child, treated like that. She never got over it, did she? Juanita was similar in age and appearance to several of the other West victims. She was abused by Fred and Rose for their sexual pleasure in an ordeal that ended in death. The West victims were not all the same, but Juanita was like several others who were vulnerable young women with unstable home lives, whom Fred and Rose seemed to have targeted, perhaps gambling that they wouldn't be reported as missing. I think Fred targeted people that he thought were from broken homes and wouldn't be missed. That's that's the way I see it, but... They all were, in some way or another, weren't they? They were all missed. Mm. Maybe it's not soon enough, but they were. And what effect has it had on you these past 25 years? Mentally, I've had... Uh, not breakdowns like my mum, but I have had... been on the verge of breakdowns mm. over the years. I've suffered with my nerves, my mental health. I still get people come up to me, oh, you're Juanita's sister, aren't you? I'm so sorry to hear about that. Mm-hmm. When I saw it on the telly, I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe that. And that's, like, 20, 25 years on from mm. then. Do you get the look? When people find out that our sister was a victim, you get the look. The bottom lip comes out... The head tilts down and you look up. They look up. And it's it's a pitying look. Don't pity us. 
We don't need the pity. It's it's those girls that need the pity. Really, we don't need it. Next time on Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes, I speak to a woman who was picked up by the Wests, but escaped. Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes, was written and presented by Howard Soons. The producer was Paul Smith. The executive producer was Russell Finch. The mix engineer was Josh Gibbs. The title music was composed by Shani Aviram, with additional production from Steve Ackerman, Antonia Udunlami, Ben Maidley and Alice Lutchins. Unheard, the Fred and Rose West tapes is a Something Else production. Also from Something Else. How did we get here? With Claudia Winkleman and Professor Tanya Byron. In these in-depth, one-on-one therapy sessions, we dig deep into personal stories with fascinating and emotional revelations. A passionate, insightful, and moving experience with clear outcomes to each episode. He is as anxious about attachment with you as you are with him. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, that's crazy, isn't it? Oh, that's a weird feeling. Wait, so... God, don't you just feel like, whoa, why didn't I know that all along? Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.